welcome back. If we're yeah, there we are. There we are. We made it. We made it, and we're joined by uh, uh, one of the members, one of the founding members, I guess, of the three uh, PA Darren Dynamite Appleton. Well, you know, I don't want to introduce you as that. I want to introduce you as the world champion, multiple time world yes. champion, multiple discipline world champion. And you know, for me, the greatest uh, uh, win that you've gotten was the Chinese eight ball, man. Yeah. I'm glad you noticed that. Yeah, 2012, right? Yeah, not many people really uh, realize that, but yeah, probably, probably, probably my greatest achievement. That's for sure. Toughest game. I mean, obviously, I've, I've had some success, uh, but yeah, to play an hybrid game, it's like yeah. a game what's crossed between snooker, English eight ball, and nine ball, and to play against all the free disciplined players from their disciplines, snooker, English eight ball, yeah. and Chinese eight ball. And, and American pools, so, and to snap it off was amazing, really. But I knew I had a chance because eight ball's my strongest game, coming from English eight ball. So obviously, once I, I changed my stroke, got that snooker style stroke sort of thing, and I got dialed in, then just all clicked on that particular week. Would you be open to gambling anyone playing eight ball? Well, if I had a on table, American pool table, on American pool table, yeah. What eight ball? Yeah, yeah. If it, if it's tight in the pocket, so I, I mean, ten years ago, I said I'd play anybody in the world at eight ball. Uh, on any table, but obviously now I'd want the pockets tight, like probably like three and a half inch. Really? A, playing eight ball on, on a regular nine ball table, yeah. Because mm -hmm. I think the pockets, the, the, the reason why I don't like eight ball on American table because the pockets are too big, so your patterns are not so important. Right. There's not less safety. You got a little bit more room to work with, that's for sure. Yeah. A little more and I don't have the best break in the world, so I need to be involved in the game and use my skills, really, my, uh, my tactical skills and uh, my patterns. Well, you say like years ago, but you're kind of having like a resurgence of your career right now. Man. No, yeah, I mean, I play. I, I definitely play now if the pockets are right. I mean, there was a little talk. I spoke to Amiga, Amiga Mac about playing a big set at eight ball in one of his uh, money matches, what he does. I said I'd play Bergman if the, if the conditions are right or any, anyone really. I mean, Shane's tough to fade because of his break, even at, at eight ball, you know what I mean? So. But yeah, if the conditions so just, are right, I still, timing, I still man. play. He just muscles it so well. Yeah, but eight balls a bit different to ten ball. You know what I mean? Uh, it's not you don't have to have great control of the cue ball. I tell you eight what, eight balls about making a ball. Eight ball know? is my favorite game. And well, if uh, the conditions are right, I play. Yeah, eight ball is my favorite game, yeah. and I think that would be amazing to see you in a big eight ball set. Yeah, yeah. Uh, listen to the commentating. You know what patterns are you choosing? Which yeah. way are you going? I'd love to see that. What about you, Mike? Well, I mean, it's not—it's not that he's a—he's an accomplished player. It's that he's playing great now. Yeah. You know, I mean, we just saw him go and play. You just—you just had a big one in the World Ten Ball against uh, Jovan, who, yeah. I guess, kind of an unknown. But you know, on on this tour, he's been doing really well. Um, great Ten Ball break. I didn't get to see the match myself, but mm. uh, no, of course, we saw you go and demolish Mika and come back in that eight ball against yeah. Mika too, because you were down mm. quite a bit and yeah, ended up funny, just yeah. stealing it at the end, man. But anyway, the reason why we brought you on was to go and talk about the new. Uh, I don't want to say venture, but the new, uh, the 3PA, and, and you want to go and describe that for people who mentioned it? Yeah, uh, obviously it's Professional Pool Players Association. Uh, well, not sure what to call it at first, but that's what it is right now. Uh, so that's what we keep it until someone tells us different. But yeah, I mean, the main reason is that I've been playing American Pool now for 15 years and nothing's changed. Uh, if anything, it's got worse regards the rules, regards uh, formats, the prize money, it's like... So the problem is that there's no consistency between the tours, what's out there, or the promoters. So they're all sort of doing their own thing, but tinkering with the rules. Uh, we don't have practice tables at a lot of tournaments. Uh, the prize money breakdowns are rather top-heavy or too deep. Uh, and the nine-ball rules yeah. sometimes. I've never known a sport where 
we have to have a players meeting before every tournament, like a tournament, like the right. John Lehman and all these guys. Every tournament, we're having a players meeting. I can't think of another sport where they have a players meeting <laughs> yeah. before the tournament starts because everyone knows the rules, right? Yeah, it's like if, if you, I'm a golf player, if tennis, you're a professional dance, player, football, we all yeah. know the rules before you start. <laughs> so this is the problem, right? It's just, uh, it's just, it's just a headache, you know. What I mean, like today, for example, we got the same people running the tournament, the, the World Ten Ball, what run the Las Vegas Open, playing ten ball, sanctioned by the WPA, but we're playing different rules to what we played in the Las Vegas Open, which is just crazy, you know what I mean? Well, what, what was the difference? I mean, besides the format. Well, the rules is that if you make uh, in the Las Vegas Open. Uh, they use the WPA rules, but with some additional rules. So the rule was that if you make the ten ball any time during the, the rack, count, you win. Up. You win the game. Uh, and also, I think if you if you foul broke, for example, let's say you miscued on the break, you had the option. The incoming player's got the option to break or let the opponent break again. Where now, if if the if the ten ball goes in early, you respot it, so the ten ball's got to be last. And if you foul on the break, let's say a miscue, and you, or you don't make the four-point rule, whatever it is, uh, you can get ball and end after the break. So that's WPA rules. So what are you guys looking to go and accomplish? I mean, I know it, it seems like everyone's kind of been in it for themselves over the last, let's say, you know, 15-plus years yep. when it comes to players. You know, so there hasn't been any organization. And we had we had a lady on from the WPA who kind of just called you guys out point blank saying, the, you know, the men just do whatever they want. You know, they yeah. get told, you know, where to be and how to be and, you know. You jump and, and you guys say how high. And that's been going on for probably 30 years, 20 years, whatever. I mean, since I've been playing. And in, in, in many ways, it's got worse. Just really, it's like uh, it's just small details. It's like now it's like uh, the game's got easier now, right? And because it's got easier and people have lost patience, they're having shorter races, shorter races, shorter races, all the tournaments making it shorter races, shot clock 30 seconds, which is crazy. Well, what do you think about the race to four in the in the Predator well, it's series? brutal, isn't it? It's just brutal. It's just torture for the players. Two race to fours and the, the spot shot. The problem with me with the spot shot is that there's too many of them. I think the spot shot should be a treat, like a dessert. But if you have too many of it, you get sick of it. So, for example, I was playing a shootout the other day, and the, there was about seven tables on my side of the room, and I think four of those matches, four, 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 four out of them seven matches went to a shootout. And to me, nobody really seemed that bothered. Like engaged in it. Maybe it's, maybe if it's on the TV table, or if it's just one shootout on that side of the room, yeah. then people will probably be more engaged. But when there's too many of them, for me, it gets a bit boring. So I like probably playing best of three sets, even if it's a race to three, and if it goes hill hill in the final, a shorter set. race. Yeah, but you still. I'm play surprised that you say that. Yeah, because if you play two race to fours, that's a possible a possibility of 14 racks, right? Right. But if you play uh, best of three sets, race to three, that's a possibility of 15 racks. But it's only one rack more. But if it goes hill hill, just play the shootout. If it's so, if it's two two in the final set, just go to a shootout. I think that's a better format because then you might only get maybe twenty percent of the matches go to a shootout or twenty five percent, and that's okay. So, I think. So, guys, we're here talking with Darren Appleton. We're talking about the new Professional Pool Players Association. So, Darren, it's not just you uh, spearheading this. Uh, I think you're teamed up with Jeremy, Jeremy Jones, and Jason Shaw, and, and Dennis, Dennis Grave. So what was the impetus for you guys to all come together? Right. Yeah, I mean, me and Jeremy, we've been speaking for two or three years. Jeremy kept saying, oh, let's get together. Let's start a players association. Uh, we need to make changes, do our own tournament, stuff like that. So I'm thinking, well, I don't really want to get involved doing my own tournaments. And Well, you've been there. 
yeah, I mean, but I'm thinking I want to play. Right. Uh, and I wasn't really traveling much. Then COVID come, so I didn't probably see Jeremy for 18 months, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, so I see him like at the one tournament recently, and then we got talking again. And then Dennis Gray is always complaining. He's like one of those guys <laughs> who's very vocal, but I love him. <laughs> Good friend of mine, Jason Shaw. Obviously, we all know he's just he, very vocal. He's not short of opinions, exactly. that's for sure. Sometimes he speaks before he thinks, but I sort of I just said to him now and again, just calm down. But <laughs> I love his passion. Same with Dennis and uh, Jeremy. So we've just been speaking for about three or four weeks now. Uh, Dennis tried with the EPBF to get changes there. He showed me what he sent them, which was really nice and tidy. So I said, look, we need to do something now because obviously – there might be a problem with Predator and Matram going forward. It, it, it seems like there's some friction there, Darren. And just from the outside looking in, you know, I, I don't see Predator going and changing, you know, from 10 ball over to 9 ball. Yeah. And, um, you know, Emily said, you know, pretty candidly that, you know, we have no desire and there's no, you know, 9 ball is the way of the future. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a tricky one now, isn't it? Because right. obviously they're promoting 9 ball only. So I would right. imagine they wanted uh, the Predator CSI tour to play some nine-ball tournaments, but obviously they've started their stuff. That's 10-ball. I think there's a market for both. Uh, Predator's really probably, at the moment, um, very much in America, but I know they're going to expand to different countries eventually. So I don't see the problem, but obviously the problem we've got now, which is a good thing for the players, there's a lot more tournaments, right. a lot more money. These guys are putting a lot of money into it. It's amazing what they're doing, really. Uh, and obviously, there's going to be some clashes. So if, if if I said, why now? Like, why whenever we have a full schedule, why do you guys decide to go and do this now? I think more so because the rules are still very inconsistent. Uh, there's a lot of inconsistency regarding everything, really. Format, prize money, the rules, the, the prize money is way too top-heavy, or they're paying too deep, right? So or the guys what finish in the last 16 or the last 32, they're still losing money. So unless you get finishing in the top eight, you're making no money. Right. And now we've got what? Let's say myself, right? I know that I'm going to play, probably play about 25, about 25 major tournaments this year, right? Or 25 big tournaments on average, right? So my expenses are going to be around $40,000. So I think you're being light. Yeah, but if, if I get to the final 16 of every one of those tournaments, that's not a bad going, really. I'll probably still be out of pocket. Right. And I don't think that's right when there's that much money out there. But I mean, sixty thousand to the winner is great if you win it right. But fifty thousand is a good first prize. And then this time, for example, it's forty thousand per second. Why not? Why not thirty thousand per second? And then they've got the semi-finals, twenty thousand. Why not ten thousand or twelve and a half thousand for the semis? And give the guys who finish in the last sixteen thirty-two at least their money back. You know what I mean? That's fair. So that's our goal, really. We don't want to work against anyone. We want to work with them maybe educate them a little bit because obviously as us as players we know the game inside out and right. what we think can work find the balance between what's good for the fans and what's good for the players and the promoters so we don't want to work against anyone we just want to help them and the good thing is that i spoke to emily i spoke to karim and people like that i spoke to wpa how have they and, received you guys and they're very happy about it they they want to listen to the players so didn't we so hear that the other day joey yeah, we did. I'm curious. You talked about that balance between the fans yeah. and the promoters and the players. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times the players are going to want the longest races, the tightest right. pockets. So you can demonstrate your skill. But the fans, uh, we got to do something to get the average pool player. You know, Darren, you're you're an amazing pool player. Mm. If you walked into a pool hall, you know, out on the West Coast tomorrow mm. night, 
there might be 150 league players and they might not know who you are. And yeah. it's not because you're not fabulous. Yeah. It's because we have a problem. We yeah. have a problem Big with time. with getting you guys more exposure. And so how how do you, uh, obviously, Predator yeah. and CSI, they're doing the races before, they're doing the shootout to get, build that excitement, to get people excited about it. How are you going to manage that? Because you're going to have a room full of pool players saying we want races to 15 on three and a half inch pockets. Yeah, I mean, there was some guys saying, oh, we need longer races, longer races last night. I said, look, it's not going to happen. Uh, we need to find the balance where the fans can stay engaged to it. The sponsors are happy, like the Predator, for example. They're bringing more viewers in, so that creates more money. So we get why they want the shootout and the shorter races, but just right. find a nice balance. And also, like you say about the, I can go in the pool room, be 150 people in there, maybe only 10 of them know me. So that's another thing we want to do in the future. We want to do more charity work. We want to go to these schools, these hospitals. We want to uh, build a budget so that we can help other promoters so let's say if we do really well we can maybe create some of our own tournaments or we can even help other tournaments what need help for example there might be a 10,000 other tournament in texas and they want some of our players to come we can add another 10,000 you know what i mean that's probably like the long-term goal is to help the whole community but we really want to focus on building a brand right getting the game more structure more consistency and also doing a lot more for the juniors especially so it's like like here for example there should be like 10 or 10 or 20 of us before this tournament spending a lot of time with the juniors and uh and inviting them to come and watch us play and all that stuff there's a lot we can do as players and also i want the players to also do their end of the bargain where be a little bit more professional maybe treat the, the referees a bit better i've been guilty of that uh the dress code, I think we should be walking around in these type of events where there's a lot of fans around, there's a lot of sponsors, all the booze are here. We should be a bit more professional the way we dress at these tournaments because everyone's got a little bit lazy. So they're walking around in their sneakers and their joggers. So I think we need to do our part as well. But also, we just want to help the game and build our brand and just have a voice, really. Our main key is just have a voice and then see where it goes. Well, you've been one of the few players to work on your brand over the years. You've, yeah. you've been able to go and evolve, whether it's your YouTube channel or if you're on, I don't know if you're on TikTok or not, because I know I'm not on that platform. On it, yeah. But it's how important is it for you guys to go and build up your own brands when it comes to things like this, things like interviews, things like uh, going and representing yourself, shaking hands, taking pictures, signing autographs, all that stuff. How important is that to go and, and, and grow the sport? Oh, it's massive. And I think that's another thing what we want to do eventually. We, we want to like educate some of the players to be more active on social media in a good way uh, and uh, build it their own It seems like brand. some of them just want to, like, they go through that formality. I place third in the yeah. Euro Tour, and then thanks, Predator, and that's it. When you're a young kid, right, when you're young, let's say 20 to 30, you don't care about all that because you know you're probably going to win Thomas. Like, if you're, like, one of the top players, all you're thinking about is winning that $50,000. So, that, But they've got to think of the long term. They've got to think about their own future and building their own brand so the more followers you've got the more fans you've got the more longevity you've got in the game even more marketable not, you are even if you're not doing well as a player right so it's like Jeanette lee for example she's the perfect example of how to brand yourself oh, for she's sure. never been the greatest player she was one of the top players back in the day but she built herself to something very special and then she took advantage of that by cutting down on playing tournaments and and cashing in on uh, what she created herself. herself. So every penny she made, she worked very hard for it. Alison Fisher does a really good job of that also, and so does Kelly. And that's what it's all about. I think Alvin does pretty decent with it. Uh, Jason's a little bit more like, more out there, but it's still, 
he's a very active guy, you know what I mean? He's doing a lot on social media. Uh, now you've got people like myself, Neil's fine. And it's not hard, really. It's just time-consuming. And the problem is that a lot of pool players, they're very lazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you, you really hit the nail on the head with Jeanette Lee. Every time I talk to somebody who doesn't play pool about playing pool, they're like, oh, do you know the Black Widow? You know? it's. Look, I've traveled around the world, and whenever I get in a taxi, and obviously you get talking to people who don't even know anything about pool, and I say I'm a billiard player. Oh, really? So the, the first name that come out with is the Black Widow. She's the most famous pool player in the world by a mile. Where, And then obviously on the male side, you've got Efren, let's say, in Asia. Right. In America, you've got Johnny and uh, Earl Strickland on the male side. But, I mean, the two people what really come to mind when I get in any cab in America, it's the Black Widow or Alison Fisher. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one thing I will say, though, is I've noticed here at this event, I've seen players really doing a good job of interacting with fans. Uh, we had the Co brothers in for an interview, mm. and then they're playing scotch doubles with some guy who just came up. Well, they're great anyway. Yeah. The Asians then, are, the Taiwanese guys are really good. And what we spoke about it last night, I says, look, not only have we got to try and make positive changes, we have to make positive changes to ourselves. I've been I've been guilty of having a go at referee. I mean, last night I had a little stomp with uh, one of the Predator team because they kicked me off the table when I'm practicing. <laughs> Because it wasn't ready. It was ready, but I was perhaps on the wrong side of the room. There's this one table what's ready on the other side. I'm, I'm not bothering anyone, anybody, but so I sort of got the hump on because we've no practice. That's that's the big the big thing for me at these professional events, right? Is that we don't have practice tables. Yeah, that's I mean, a good point. there's two or three big rooms here, right? There should be 12, 14 practice tables for 128 players. Only if pros. you've got the room yeah. for it, you know what I mean? No, but I like the idea of like last night I came down here at like 10 o'clock, man, and there was everybody was on the right side because they were still working on the left side. Yeah. But you can see the fans that were still hanging out and about wanting to go and watch the guys warm up, you know, and they're all switching off racks. Oh, no, I'm not saying don't have fans. I'm saying only the pros can practice on the stadium. Oh, okay. yeah, exactly. Yeah. We should have our own private room like all other sports. I mean, at any other sport, you get to warm up before you play. We're here, we yeah. get what, two racks? And yesterday, for example, on the right-hand side of the room, there's like 50 players on seven tables. I mean, that's just not for me, you know what I mean? Yeah. Playing one shot every 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of things we need to improve. If we've got the room and the capability, we should have more practice tables because then you see a better standard of play. Uh, players players get a better feel for the game. It's like tennis, isn't it? Like golf, they all warm up, don't they? How, Snooker. How was it received? I mean, I know we talked about you, Jeremy, Jason, and Dennis, you know, how was it received by your other peers that were that showed well, up? Well, I wasn't sure what to expect, really. I mean, we just, I mean, Jason was just thrown in because he's very vocal. <laughs> I says, Look, you can come with us, like. And then, so it was really me, Dennis, and Jeremy. We're thinking, oh, who can we add? And we might add someone else yet. We, we aren't too sure. We're going to probably take our time. We'll probably add another player. But then we're going to have two or three people what I know's got a business brain. Let's say, like, not going to, I have no one exactly set in stone yet, but let's say, Somebody, somebody who's got uh, a lot of knowledge with business, so we'll probably get someone involved there, and then obviously we'll probably build a website page, all that stuff. So we'll have two or three people outside the game. What's going to help us? We've got two or three people in mind what want to help us. So, I mean, I, I think we have to do it, don't we? Because, and I've had loads. So I, I made a post last night on Facebook, and the negativity, the comments, the negativity is unbelievable. Really, I mean, people, it's just pool world, isn't it? It's just everyone just thinks every, everything's going to fail. How, how do you stay off a tilt though when you read that? that that's every, every, everyone just thinks it's going to fail. You, you you do something new and think, oh, I'm not true. That's not going to work. It's not worked before. Look, it's okay. But if I said, if I said, hey, that's y'all are doing the same thing to this format. 
y'all are having that same snap reaction that you're complaining about the fans having. What would you say to that? Yeah, it's just uh, you just got to you, you've got to put your trust right. It's all about trust, in, in, right. in my opinion. So when I spoke to Predator and Matchroom and these type of promoters, right, right. they're doing it for the love of the game. Yeah. These are passionate people, so that makes me even more passionate. But they have to stay in the green, too. They have, you know, it's, it's still a business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they make money other ways, right? right? So that's our goal, really, is that we want to help people, and we want to help everyone in the industry eventually, but obviously we have, it's baby steps, isn't it? For it's sure. Baby steps. People just got to trust what we're doing. It's not going to harm the amateur game, right? Right. We're, we're just helping promote the professional game. And then long term, we can help the amateurs. We can help the juniors. But at the moment, we need to get it right at the top. At the end of the day, they need you as much as you need them. Exactly. You know, you, and you guys have to figure out a way to work in, in synergy with and one another. that's the key, isn't it? Is that obviously if, if we put all our thoughts forward and after six months nothing happens, then we might have to be a little bit more aggressive. It's as simple as that. Hopefully, we don't get to that stage. But for me, straight away, my mindset is WPA. We need to sort WPA out or help, help try and sort WPA out. What do out. they do? Because I don't know what the hell they do. I mean, it, you, they're, they allow one event to be scheduled over another. You know, I've never seen the WPA, sorry, the WPA go and do much of anything. And it's, it, you know, it really pains me because Ian Anderson, the president, is a really nice guy. But when it comes to the actual game, he doesn't know a lot about it. He's got a snooker background, right? So I think he's a little bit intimidated by some of the promoters. So when they're saying, I want this date, and they block block like a bunch of dates, then the other promoter comes along saying, we need that date. We can't do it on another date because you've got to make you've got to make dates with the venues, right? It's not easy right. to make dates. There's a lot of moving parts. centers or whatever. Right. So I think he's said, well... You're going to have to clash it then, right? Where he should be putting his foot down saying, no, they booked it first. You have to find another way or not have the tournament. That's the way it should be. But he's saying, well, yeah, you're going to have to clash the tournament, blah, blah, blah. So what happens? They The WPA get 5% from, let's say, this tournament, the World Championship, and they get 5% from the US Open. So if you think about it, 5% of 300,000, it's not a bad chunk of change, right? When, but they're doing what, for, 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 the, for <laughs> all you're doing is sanctioning their event so it becomes... Uh, an official tournament, let's say, but what's an official tournament? Uh, but end of the day, they they do carry some weight because they're part of the uh, IOC. IOC, right. obviously, we're members of the WPA. But another thing, we don't get no newsletters. Pinozo said it right. Like they they have they have a um, they have a place in the sport, you know, and and yeah. but they don't do a good job of, I guess, doing their job. At well, least you, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a little meeting with uh, the vice. Uh, I don't know if he's like the the vice. Secretary, uh, Sean, and we'll be having another meeting again. But the good thing is that they're changing the election this year. So I believe that Ian Anderson is not going to be in power. So as much as I like Ian, it's better for the game. And I think your guy, Shane Tyre, Tyre is it? Tyree, Shane, Shane, Shane Tyre from the BCA. Mm. I believe that he's going to be the president. So I think it's great for us. I Change. think that's great news going forward. I think he'll be a lot more active. I think he'll be more fair. And I think he'll communicate with us the players association very well so i'm really looking forward to the relationship and, and getting involved with these meetings i've already said there'll be a players rep for the wpa uh, so i think that's going to work so everything's i think everything is going to be great going forward future does but us the players need to have a say in what's going on like we can't treat we can't keep them in guinea pigs right and that's so, what's happened for for like 15 years that i've been in the game so because to be me right 
I don't want to be sitting here in 10, 15 years' time, or let's say I don't want a Joshua Filler or a Eklund Katchi to be sitting where we are now in 10, in 10, 15 years' time and they're in the same spot as what we are right now. I want them to be sitting here in 10, 15 years' time talking about how great the game is, all these millions they're making, which is what they should be doing. In My goal but in 10 years' time, these kids should be millionaires. How hard is how hard of a sell would it have been for the 20 year old Darren Appleton to get advice from, you know, the 40 year old Darren Appleton? Yes. Yeah, tough, isn't it? It's tough. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, cause you've got so much experience in the game, right? And you've seen everything, right? But you know, when you're young though, right? Yeah. When you're young, you just want to pop balls. Right. That's all you care about. It's like Joshua Phillips just walks around, just pop balls, pop balls, pop balls, right? <laughs> all these young kids, I, I see them that they're on the table seven hours a day, which is great. I used to do that. I can't do that no more. But I can still compete at an eye level. But I know I will never be as consistent as what I used to be because I have, I don't I can't put seven hours in anymore. But for me, it's not about that. I just want to be involved in the game. But I want to see the guys in ten years' time be, be millionaires and get out of the game. What I should have got out of the game. So Darren, and what Ralph Suitcase should have got out of the game. So so if that's going to happen in ten years from now, what are the keys? to executing on this? What are the keys to success at this point? Well, the WPA need to be stronger and they need to, uh, and then obviously, uh, yeah, so the WPA has got, the, got to get their house in order because you, you've got to start at the top and they're the main people, right? So if they do their job right, then let's say Predator or the Derby City or Matchroom or Pat Fleming with his International Open, the EPBF with the Eurotour, they'll do a better job. Everyone will work together Everyone's on the same page. That creates more sponsorship, uh, uh, more kids coming into the game. Because now there's a structure. There's there's a proper professional tour. Uh, it's like the rankings, isn't it? I mean, what's going on with the rankings? The, the Which one? Call in there, the world rankings, and yeah. you got the UPA world rankings. So, and then I mean, you got and then you got a Predator series now, rankings. Now you got the Predator series rankings. So then you got needs Fargo to be rate. sorted out really a little bit. Uh, I sort of get with the Predator rankings, but they need to. There needs to be more strength in the WPA rankings if they're sticking around, right? So some might say that you're a glutton for punishment taking on this assignment, Maybe, right? Yeah. And you're going to be in a room full of pool players who yeah. typically can complain. I play pool yeah. myself. Shocking. Uh, yeah. So what is the strategy to get feedback but not get overwhelmed, you know, to where people yeah. just want to walk out of the room because people well, are yeah. complaining so much? Last night was a little bit like that. Because uh, there was a lot of questions coming back and forth, we were going to try and cover a few little topics where we can get a vote, but it just was never going to work. So we said, "Look," so we just openly had an open discussion, really. And then at the end of it, he said, "Look, I'm going to get 30, 50 players together, and you guys are going to get uh, questionnaires with the certain topics what whilst we want to get changed straight away, and just say yes or no. So, like for example, do we want to break in the box? Uh, prize money breakdown, uh, nine ball. Do we want to uh, play the one ball on the spot, nine ball on the spot? So just get the short-term things, what we think need fixing, and then go from there. Because if we're playing nine ball, we should have one set of rules. Playing ten ball should be one set of rules. Because uh, and, and the rack. We need to sort the rack out. Because what's happening with now in the game, I don't know if you've noticed, right? But when you watch nine ball now at the matchroom events, the nine ball's going to the short rail every time, right? Or it's going near the pocket. And the same with ten ball. So now the layouts are a lot easier. And nobody's missing the money ball anymore. Nobody's missing the nine ball or ten ball because it's not on its spot. Where when that nine ball or ten ball's on its spot, you have to play around that ball a lot more to play shape. And then that ball becomes missable when it's like on the 50-yard line, right? 
And you see, you, you used to see it missed a lot under pressure, where yeah. now the ball's like on, on the short rail or near the pocket, it's unmissable. But also, you're missing that traffic. So you're not playing those zigzag shots, right. those zigzag shots anymore. So the game's easier regards running the balls out, which I, I it really winds me up. All right, well, let me ask you a question. And I want you to answer this as um, the pool player, not the representative of the yeah, yeah. you know triple, PP, uh, triple PA. And Joey's asked this question a lot to a lot of the guys who have joined the booth this week. What's Dynamite's ideal tournament? Format, pocket size, game? I think the international probably got it right. Uh, regards break inside the box. Uh, I don't mind whether it's one on the spot or the nine ball on the spot, but we all should get the same rank. You I like think- a three-point rule? No, it's like the worst rule ever invented. Because <laughs> <laughs> you hit the break good and you get punished for it. Yeah. But if the like EPBF e, e, are the only ones using that rule now, but if you make two balls of the break, it should be legal, right? But to, so to get the three point rule against you, then it's killed me a few times. But yeah, I think one ball on the spot, break box, or one ball on the spot, nine ball, uh, nine ball on the spot, break box, play nine balls should be the, the ideal break. And we all get the same rack. We use a template or we tap the balls. Because this, these, these racking issues, I mean, why should my my uh, career be... Uh, the, the referees have got too much power. That's what I'm saying. Shane said the same thing. But this is what I argue. Like, if you watch any sport, basketball, football, whatever, you know, you, there's judgment calls, right? You know, pass interference or the strike zone for certain uh, uh, umpires in baseball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you name it, you know, yeah. out of bounds call in basketball. Yeah. There's a human element to it. Would you, would you prefer a template or because I like well, the triangle because it's it, different. Them things really is what a rate like ten percent of the old match might happen ten percent in the old match where yeah. the break at a professional level. I mean you know it's probably fifty percent of the game. It's massive. So why should fifty percent of my match be relied on that referee? Where also, but this is another thing, right? I, nothing against referees, but they need training. We need to train them as players, and that's another thing. Like we want to have some power where we can go to the tournaments. Uh, so if there's like 10 referees, right, we can we can take them and we can show them how to wrap the balls or try and help them wrap the balls or teach them how to wrap the balls better. Because no disrespect, a lot of these referees, they've probably never refereed a professional tournament yeah, before. It's true. Where let's say Michaela Tab, Nigel, Nigel Reese, all these referee. guys there, they're like very experienced referees. So they know roughly what's a good rack and what's a bad rack. I shouldn't be getting slug racked and my opponent accidentally get a good rack and all of a sudden I'm three zero down. It's just it's just uh, it's so, so frustrating, it's unbelievable. So for me, we all should get the same rack. Should professional players be allowed to rack the balls in a tournament? I don't mind if we if 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 it's tapped and we're using a template, I don't mind the the players racking the ball that racking their own balls because but preferably be you want a referee. Right. But if we haven't got enough referees, then yeah, uh, the, the players have got a rack, which I, I don't mind. I, I asked Federer that same question, and he said, I would rather get slug racked than get cheated. Exactly. Uh, I don't want someone racking. I don't want a player racking for me. I think that's the worst rule in the world. Because some of these professional pool players, they know how to cheat the rack. Right. Even with a, a template. or even. The, but if the balls are all tapped properly, it's very hard to cheat the rack. Right. Oh, where the template, you can still cheat the rack very easily. These guys are clever, trust me. <laughs> uh, it's unbelievable some of the stuff they do. Uh, so when they're racking for each other, it's unbelievable how clever they are. I've, I'm clueless when it comes to racking. I just try and rack them as tight as I can with, with uh, the regular rack. 
uh, with a template. I just get the balls touching, and that's it. What? So I'm more for fair play, you know what I mean? Right. So there was a lot of talk about the tables in the first event they had here, the Alpha Las Vegas Open, but they've been working on them pretty much nonstop since then. And today started the uh, World Ten Ball. You already had one match. What are your thoughts on the tables now? Well, the tables are rolling probably 90% better than the Las Vegas Open. I know we've seen one shot where Neil's tried to bank a ball and it's come off the second rail and it started rolling in towards the pocket, but it's not rolling like that on 90% of, of the table itself. It's just that one particular shot where it's like hugging the rail a little bit. Happened in my last match, the table rolled great, regards straight, except for maybe one shot where it just turned fractionally. But compared to what we played on the other day, I mean, it, it feels like it's straight. Even, even though it's probably not 100% straight, there's still a little, few little issues there, but Ernesto and the team, whatever they've been doing, they've done a great job. Uh, so that's all you can do. They're trying their best. Obviously, the table still needs a lot of work, I think, going forward, right. and the cloth. Uh, but I think in general, what I, what you can't fault is their effort, right? A thousand percent. I had Jason come by here earlier, and we weren't live or anything, but I asked them. You know, and I went by last night and talked to a lot of players and asked them you know, what their opinion of how the tables were playing. All of them had great feedback. Jason came by, the same thing. Yeah. And, and and the one thing that came from his mouth was that just like what you said, he can appreciate effort. Like even they're not making excuses. They want they want a high standard as well and they're working their butts off to go and get it there. You know, and I and I guess the from the player standpoint, you guys can appreciate at least good effort. Yeah, and they they've just gotta learn from their lesson. And right? they are playing better. So. You you have to learn a lesson. So next time my advice to was to carry him and the team is that make sure the tables are set up at least one day before the tournament so you can test it properly. And then if you need changes, you still got time to make changes. Makes sense. Like, if this would have happened during this tournament, the World Ball, it would have been a, yeah. have been a nightmare. Have been a I mean, it's not great that it happened in the Las Vegas Open, but mistakes happen. So hopefully they learn their lesson. And I think if they do that, the players can forgive them a lot easier. And the fans, because you can see For what sure. they're trying to do. They're putting loads of money into the game. Yeah, the product's probably not where they want it right now. But it's got potential to be great products, and uh, you got you got to give them a chance. When they're putting that much money into the game, and they're as passionate about the game as what the players are and the fans, then you got to work with these people. You know what I mean? You, you can't just kill them. And what happens is that if one player goes on social media and gives them bad vibes, uh, bad uh, press, then the, the fans jump all over that as well, and it gives them the fuel then to really to really dig them out. So I even said last night, I said, "Look, guys, we need to calm down a little bit on social media, bashing promoters or whatever." And we just need to give these guys a bit of slack. How do you balance that versus being true to who you are? Well, yeah, I mean, but there's a way to go around being true to yourself. Right. And I've been guilty myself. Being diplomatic I mean, I'm about very it. open on social media sometimes. I think, oh, I probably should have said that. So I think we all need to learn that, look, if these guys are doing great for the game, they're trying their best. I mean, Karim, he was running around like a headless chicken for two days. He, he was devastated about it. So... As bad as what we feel, obviously, it hurts them long-term more than us, right? Right. The players. It's just one tournament for us. We, we can get over it very quickly. Uh, but obviously, we all want to play in perfect conditions. It doesn't always happen. So we just got to learn the lesson. And if this was like some promoter who's like, they're, not, they're in it for the money, for example, and they're robbing the players left, right, and center, then they'll probably get bigger bashing. But so, when the guys are doing so much for the game, we have to get behind these people. And be give a little them a patient chance. with them. Yeah. So now you're you're at the World Ten Ball now. 
the formats back to a more traditional format. Oh, yeah, it feels like a big relief. I was going to say, how do you feel out there oh, now? How did you great. feel during your I match? Thought, you oh, could hear race to eight. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought uh, race to eight feels really long now, right? Even though it's quite short anyway. But <laughs> the thing you like, it's a race to eight. So if I go three or four nil down, it's not the end of the world. It's obviously not ideal, but at least you can get into the game. You can relax a little bit more and pl- you get more play, right? There's more play. Uh, the tables are still breaking tough. I guess it's a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe a good thing for me. Uh, I don't know. Because uh, it's going to be, and it's a good thing we're playing alternate break. I'm a really fan of alternate break over winter break. Because I, I don't believe that. I'm a little bit like tennis, right? Imagine if you're a tennis player and you win the first game, like Roger Federer is serving against Nadal. Roger Federer wins the first game and, it, uh, and he's serving. And then he gets to serve again in the second game, and then serve again in the third game, Brutal. and the fourth game. Nadal's never going to win. So, if I play Shaman Bowen in a race to eleven, and he's got a shot after the break, obviously he's got the best break in the world. I mean, how can I win? Well, who's the better player, Federer or Nadal? Uh, Federer. <laughs> Mike's a big um, tennis I think fan. Federer. I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> I think Federer's. I'm a Nadal fan. Yeah. It depends how you look at it. On clay, Nadal, on clay, obviously, yeah. uh, grass, obviously, Federer yeah, by a mile. Absolutely. Yeah, we're talking pool here, Melina. My but bad, yeah, I bad. mean, it's all—it's like golf, isn't it? It's just uh, we all want fair play. I think if if you play any other sport, right, you get your opportunity, yeah. right? If someone uh, scores a, uh, points at basketball or football or soccer, you, you get the ball back. Right. But in pool, we, we don't. So I, I'm a big believer. Unless you're playing big, big, big races, we all should be playing alternate break so that we all get a fair crack, a fair crack at the game. Well, let me ask you a question. We're at the World 10 Ball. You can't pick yourself. If not you, then who? Who's going to win the World Championship in a couple of days? Uh, World 10 Ball. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Uh, I'm going to say... Uh, I think Shane. I'm going to get the monkey I can't, off his back. I can't see how Shane can go his whole career without winning the World Championship. I mean, that would just be unbelievable. Oh, really he's, he's got to really want this. You know I mean, he does. It, so I think Will Tenball's his best chance, right? And it's on, he's on his own turf. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's happy with these tables since I fixed them. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, obviously, if I don't win it, I'd love to probably see Shane win it, actually. I'm one of those guys. I like to see the best players win. And... He's probably the best. Uh, he's, he's by far the best player to not have won a world championship, like an official a thousand world percent. So yeah, I mean, if I don't win it, it'd be great. Uh, great story to see Shane win it, and because uh, the game's so tough. Well, a, a bit of an upset already. In, already in round one, the guy who lost in the finals in Yap loses yep. to Donnie Mills. Yeah, he really struggled as well. Pretty Donnie shocking. Looked like played good. I was on yeah. the next table. Yeah. So uh, anything can happen. Uh, they're all good players out there, but. Yeah, I mean, Shane's best chance can be the 10-ball, because 9-ball, we all know, there's a hell of a lot of luck involved. So if he's going to win it, it'll probably be this one, I think. Yeah. And it's a big one to win. It is. 60,000, world 10-ball champion on your on your, on your your home turf. A lot of people here. Big, yeah, I mean, I'd like to be in the final. I know that. <laughs> so, Darren, if you could, if I've asked a few people this question, if you could only win one more major tournament in your life, which tournament yeah, would you want that question, to be? That's a good question, isn't it? Uh, Probably the World 8-Ball Championship, I think, but on American pool table. Uh, or obviously the 9-Ball. Nine 9-Ball nine are the World 8-Ball, just because uh, I've probably got less expectation in the 10-Ball, just because my break's not as good as the top guys. But in 8-Ball, I know that if I can just make a ball on the break, I'm as good as anybody. And uh, what you call it, 9-Ball, obviously, probably be the biggest title to win, I think. Cause, I'd, so. I'd argue the triangle 
you know, um, offsets of big break, like the, the traditional breakers, oh, like yeah, a Shane yeah. or, you know, yeah, a, a Fetter. Yeah. Oh, I can definitely win this tournament, but I think if I had to choose one, I'd probably say the World Nine Ball, just because it's in the UK, it's Matchroom Tournament, uh, live on TV. Uh, yeah, I think that would be the one, really. Well, when you won your World Nine Ball, it was played a guitar in the middle, you know, over there. Yeah. How how big of a difference has it been having Matchroom take back over Oh, it's massive, isn't it, really? I mean, it was good. When, when I won it, it wasn't too bad in Qatar. They had two or three years It was the where, best final I've ever seen in my life. No, but they had, they had two or three years where they were streaming every table. There was like maybe five or 600 people in the crowd, even though it like a 10,000-seat stadium, so it did feel like that. But the year I won it, it was quite a nice crowd. Uh, it was good setup. But from about 14, 15, 16, they let it go. They let it go, and it become a little bit Mickey Mouse, really. Still a great title to win because you're world nine ball champion, all, all the top players, right. but the, it was just flat, you know what I mean? It, it become flat, and they was doing less and less more for the production side of it. And that was a shame, really. So when, obviously, the last two or three years especially, it had to get out of there. It, it, it had run its course in Qatar. And then, obviously, now Matron's got it back. You know, it's on a proper stage. It's on a proper world stage. Everyone gets to see it. Uh, the production's amazing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that'd be nice to win the, It'd be nice to win one of those big matchroom tournaments, I'm not going to lie, like the US Open, World Nine Ball. I think they're the big two, really. Well, maybe we'll see you go on and, uh, and pick up the trophy this week or next, man. Yeah, be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, then I, yeah. The ultimate goal is to get back in the Moscone Cup at, at least one, at, at, like one more time. That's a goal, but uh, it's not the end of the world if I don't. Well, you're heading not, in the right I'll be way doing what, what you guys are doing. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the Moscone. It's back in Las Vegas this year. Yeah. Do you think that's going to help the Americans, kind of give them a little boost? Yeah, I think uh, when you look at the last two years, I think the COVID year was like a non-event for me because the Americans looked like they hadn't played pool for six months. Uh, Jason <laughs> was the only guy who played well. And then last year, I mean, America had Europe on the ropes at 5-4 or 5-3. They let them off the up big time. And then the third day, Europe Europe uh, come out strong and America come out weak. Uh, so it, one day cost you the old tournament, really. But you should have been at least 6-3 up. If you've been at 6-3 up, it's a completely different game. Absolutely. So, I think it's a lot closer than what people think. Uh, but you just need to get the right team uh, mix. And I think being at home, what, 2,500 people? I think you've probably got a 40% chance of winning. Well, I'm, I'm going to take you out of here on this. You, you mentioned the team aspect of it. For me, the best story in pool last year was you and Carl. And <laughs> I think a big, you know, even though you guys you know came up short in the yeah. final against Josh, um, but chemistry showed how important it was for your guys' run, at least for my money. Oh, yeah. What would you say to that? Yeah, I mean, uh, he's my best doubles partner. He's not necessarily the best player in the world, what I've played pool with, uh, but he's very strong, obviously. We, we, we've known each other since we were, like, 15, 16. Uh, we've played a lot of doubles in the English eight-ball days. We're really good friends, and we just clicked together. He likes talking. I said, I just said, look, just whatever. <laughs> uh, I sort of lead him, let's say, because probably my knowledge of the game, but he just makes all the balls, so it's great. Uh, so it was a perfect blend. We, we, we have a good time. We just we just click together, you know what I mean? Sometimes you just click with someone. Right? I mean, I, I click pretty good with Ralph Suke. I'm not necessarily his best friend off the table, but we're okay. But on the table, we I think we complement each other well. Like Alex Pagaline, for example, I think I play really good with him. So there's guys where you just know you're going to play good doubles with, and then there's certain guys where I sort of struggle playing doubles with, like Chris Mellon. Because he's all over the place with a cue ball. He may, he may want to play that shot. And I said, well, it's not the right shot, Chris. Yeah, but I can make it. Like the ego <laughs> kicks in. It's like Chris playing with Jason. For me, it just doesn't work. It was right? like oil and water. He's got two massive egos and two yeah. massive shot makers. It can be a disaster. 
so sometimes just simple, like like Joshua, right? Winning the last year with his partner. I mean, no respect to the guy, but he I don't really play pool anymore. He's a good player, but he's not on the circuit, but he did what he's told, right? Yeah. And he was happy to take that role. Where if, if that's Ralph and Joshua, is Ralph happy to be told what to do every shot? No. I don't think so. Yeah. So you have to find the right balance, and you've got to get rid of your ego playing Scotch doubles. If you don't get rid of your ego, you're done. Will y'all get another swing, do you know? Huh? Are y'all going to get another swing this year? Yeah, because Carl's obviously retired again. Uh, <laughs> I was lucky last year, Canada... Uh, yeah, they pulled uh, out. pulled out last minute, so that's why we got in there. So I'm hoping that I'm going to play with Jason. And I'm pretty sure that's going to be me and Jason. So I'm excited about that because I think great. I think I can be a good partner for Jason, maybe calm him down a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so I think yeah, I think we'll be a good team. Obviously, we're best friends as well. So he's listening right now. He's in here. Well, yeah, I think me. <laughs> there's there's certain guys where I know I compliment them and they compliment me. I think me and Jason will be a good team. Yeah. We might not win it because it's a short race, but. I'd like to think that if I'm playing my best pool and Jason plays his best pool, we can play anybody in the world for money playing Scotch doubles. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Time out. What, <laughs> what, so what's the game then? What's the game? Any game, really. Yeah, Scotch doubles, yeah. yeah. I think if me and Jason are our best, I, I'd be happy to play anybody Scotch doubles. I'm well, not saying we're going to win. Well, let's get out of here and let's go talk to Omega Mike. I think we're as good as anybody. Yeah. <laughs> let's yeah, go I mean, talk to Omega Mike. Uh, but it'd be nice to play it, ball. <laughs> <laughs> and Jason break every ruck. Yeah, no kidding. Well, listen, Darren, we appreciate you being on. I know you got a lot going on. You're in the middle of a tournament, just starting off a run for a world championship. Um, but we appreciate you you know, you know, jumping in with us, man. Yeah, thanks for all you guys, for all you do. It's good. Uh, the more stuff we do like this, the better. Get it out there. Yeah, for well, sure. Cheers. Excellent. Thank you. Best of luck in the event. Cheers, all right, buddy. Okay. Cheers, thanks buddy. a lot, Cheers. Bro.